I did it. I've I done it. The right. I have a dumb it. story to open. Maybe it'll be a cold open. I don't know. So I left my dessert with Destiny on accident. I don't even know how that happened uh, today. You deserted. <laughs> and so I uh, I was like, I'm going to go to Dairy Queen and get a Blizzard. And so I went through the drive-thru and I paid for my Blizzard. And then as the food was cooking, I looked at my phone and saw Kyle tweeting that he's like, I just need to collect queer boys who like musicals, whatever. And I got so mad that on his conditions, one of them was emaciated that I drove off without picking up my food. <laughs> and had to, oh, no. had to circle around through ridiculous traffic to go back. And they were like, here's your stuff. And I was very sheepish. I got my blizzard. <laughs> but Kyle's dumb tweet about being a shallow queer made me so annoyed that I drove off without picking up my food. Uh, it God. was a bad joke. Uh, I'm raising my hand to ask an even dumber question. Yes. What's a blizzard? Welcome to Abnormal Mapping. This is episode 38. Wow. Yo. Oh, shit. We need to say that every time. Do we ha- <laughs> wow, that's a number. I was about to make an LBJ joke, so Jackson, you stepped on the bit again. So, Did I? LBJ is probably not is the Korean War. That's the only notable okay. 38. I was going to say, I was, we're light on 38, apparently. Next, next time there's steps involved, it's a number related to steps. Oh, yeah, I guess so. But I like how your references are old people references, <laughs> but there aren't any young people references, so I guess I don't you know. You know what the kids don't care about in 2015? Numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the show starring that guy. I mean, that's also true, only, but I meant the, the idea of numbers. The only numbers they care about are 420. Yep. And 69. We're a long way yep. from either of those. Mm-hmm. We are closer to 69 than 420. That says something about America's <laughs> drug policy, I think. <laughs> That's uh, how you I hit on people. That. And how numbers work. <laughs> it, does, it, yes, good... it does say something about how numbers work. I am your host, Matthew Marco. With me is the favorite host from over the, on the other coast, Jackson Tyler. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm not the other coast. I'm, that, you that are I'm... the other coast in that there is America and there is Europe. Neither of us are on either of the coasts. When I know. The Neither coast. of us live on a coast. You just wanted to rhyme. I did. You should have said the host with the most. He's not the host with the most. That's me. <laughs> Why do you have the most? How about the co-host with the most? Mm. Mm. It, in, in, in what definition do you have the most and I don't? What is Jackson, the most say hello. Of? Hello. Fine. And also with us <laughs> is Destiny Sturdivant. I don't get a rhyme? No, I don't have one for you. Oh, you can, if you can okay. think of one right now, go ahead. Um, say it loud, she's black and she's proud. Destiny Sturdivant. I, I think it'd be really problematic for me to introduce you that way. <laughs> But you know that I'm proud. I know that you're proud, but like that's really weird. If I'm like, and it's our black correspondent, Destiny Sturdivant. <laughs> Let us know how it's going on the black hand side. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
We are here for our third annual Thanksgiving special. Last year, Jackson learned <laughs> the true meaning the of miracle Thanksgiving. of Thanksgiving. <laughs> the, I, the story behind I'm it. I'm still fucked the genocide. up. Yeah, I didn't know. I thought it was t- uh, to do with uh, getting rid of us. That, but like, I thought it had something to do with Independence Day. No, but it has no, nothing to do with Independence it's Day. It's completely unrelated, and you're just the worst. So. Hey, we didn't colonize all those countries. We just colonized this one. <laughs> so, uh, to celebrate <laughs> our Thanksgiving episode, I would like everyone to say what they're thankful for and what bit of imperialism are you most tired of in 2015? Does anybody have any suggestions? I'm, I mean, I'm thankful for my own uh, common sense today because I stood in a line in a game shop for two, 10 minutes with a copy of Destiny in my hand. before getting to the front of the queue and just thinking what the fuck am i doing and immediately leaving without paying or buying the thing i'm thankful for that too Uh, yeah and as our imperialism expert what is your least favorite bit of imperialism in 2015 all of it i don't know i think it's really gross of me to say well this bit of imperialism is the worst one i don't know i don't like the one you are most tired of everything i don't know i haven't i didn't come prepared with my imperialism thoughts right uh destiny i'm sick of all of it but i'm thankful for all my friends you really you've all dropped the ball out on the specifics all right what, what's what's your most tired bit of imperialism you brought it up you know when i was thinking about this in the shower yesterday i had an answer and i've since forgotten it that was actually <laughs> this is the question you decided to open our video games podcast <laughs> look with. we get real sometimes all the violence in the world it's thanksgiving you know to be fair, what I thought of this was before the mess in Paris, which will now be old news by the time this podcast goes live. That's not true. I don't think that's it's true. Not true. I guess. And then there is, I guess, friend of the show. He was almost on once. Varen Deer's mess, which happened today, which was really fucked up. Yep. Our thoughts that's are with you. fucked up. Yep. Yeah. Uh, ugh. Gross. Ugh. Gross. Gross. Yep. I am not thankful for Twitter sometimes. That's the actual answer. Twitter's not thankful for gross racists. Or yep. the clean ones. Yep. <laughs> Hygienic racists can go fly a kite too. I would, however, be in a band called the Hygienic Racists. No, they're, they're just eugenicists. They're into cleansing and ethnic cleansing. <laughs> oh, no! Mm. no! Are you proud of that? Or are you ashamed? You know, I'm pretty proud of it. I don't do shame, really. Okay, that's good. So, uh, what's everybody been doing? Jackson, have you been playing anything that isn't Metal Gear? I've played and finished (laughs) Trials Fusion. The credits rolled earlier today. Did you figure out what the weird, like, meta story of that game is? It's just Halo. So, ancient aliens and, like, There's an ancient alien and there's an AI lady falling in love with you, but she's also your bike. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Is it a wife bike? God, I wish. Oh, I hope it's a wife bike. I don't think What's it's a, a wife bike. bike. Well, so, uh, one day we're gonna have to sit you down, Destiny, and let no, you we experience. can do this. We can do this. All right. So, uh, do you do you know what Bionic Commando is? It was an NES game where you swung yeah. swung on like a grappling arm thing. Big well, they, 80s goofy game. Very silly. Yeah. Very ridiculous. Oh, I, I know what the game. So is. they made uh, a Capcom made. I think it was 2008. They made like a nice shiny 3D one. And Gritted your character was all gritty. Mike and... Patton. 
Does I don't know who Mike Patton is. Jackson. The the lead singer of Faith. The no guy More. from Faith No coming More coming in, giving him the voice. I was like, oh, yeah, Mr. Okay. So he's super gritty, and he has dreadlocks, and he like he's in prison when the game starts. And they the government took away his mechanical arm and gave it back to him. And in the course of the game, you find out that his arm is actually imbued with the soul of his wife, and that's what gives him his powerful swinging powers. Oh, video games. Yeah. So wife object. Is basically become a trope of anyone who cared about Bionic Commando, which admittedly is like six people. My baby is a can of peas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just li- we'll just link the Fallout for Monster Factory. We, we're going to talk about that in the next segment. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, we are. Uh, so Jackson, you played through Trials, but you also played through British Simulator 2015. Yes. What's that? Was your or, your birthday present game? Oh shit! You're right. I was like, tell cities, me about British Simulator cities. 2015. Oh, okay. Well, I could just. <laughs> I, all right. So it's really cool. They made a good Assassin's Creed game again. Everybody, just hit the applause button. Uh, it's not amazing, but it'll it'll do ya. It'll do ya. You can run on rooftops. It looks good. Uh, you said you met Benjamin Disraeli's wife, so I was on board. No, uh, I didn't just meet Benjamin Disraeli's wife. <laughs> You met Benjamin Disraeli's wife. I met Benjamin Disraeli's wife. Okay. Wait, in like the biblical sense? (laughs) Well, you show up and Benjamin Disraeli's wife's all like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And then you go on a date with Benjamin Disraeli's wife and it's amazing. Aw, that's kind of nice. And and even more ridiculous stuff happens. It's, It's like the people who made it know that Assassin's Creed is just bullshit to the highest degree and didn't give a fuck. And it's very clear it comes from uh, some people involved with Saints Row. Uh, that's the tone they take to a lot of it. It's just historical cartoon nonsense. Like, Karl Marx is in that game, and a lot of that is bullshit because of the way it presents it. But on the other hand, it's just, like, presents Karl Marx as this tired dad dealing with all these children. <laughs> and you have to clean up mm. all of uh, all of their messes. And, and it's, like, it knows... It is self-aware enough to know it doesn't actually have anything to say which is a shame because there are moments where it actually gets close to making some kind of thematic point and i'd rather have games that say things because assassin's creed 2 had some really affecting moments like the moment with the gun in assassin's creed 2 is one of it's great it's a fantastic thing um but this is this is just a cool british simulator and if you want that it's fine okay Uh, i intend to play this game yeah i think there's something to be said for it's just these big ridiculous nonsense games hitting the base level of acceptable without being gross because like metal gear solid 5 is a much better game than british simulator 2015 but there's so much more just awful shit in it you can't just sit down and have a weekend and enjoy it in the same way Mm -hmm. uh which uh, you definitely can with uh syndicate you can just sit down have fun trade it in again because it's i mean you don't do that but it's that's what it feels like it's a weird throwback in that way yeah that's that uh, I played Gothic British Simulator 2015, which I am still playing. Um, how is which that? Which is uh, also known as Bloodborne, uh, everyone's favorite 3D Castlevania game. Mm-hmm. Eh. Uh, Bloodborne's really good. I like that game a lot. I'm glad that I played Monster Hunter before playing Bloodborne. I feel like it's colored my perception of what Bloodborne is really differently. In that, that I don't think Bloodborne's really hard at all. Uh it's punishing, but I find it like really entertaining and kind of like straightforward. Like it's not that hard. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I like that game a lot. You get to wear ridiculous outfits and stab horrible, gross things over and over again, uh, and go through amazing environments. What more can you ask for out of video games, right? 
Yeah, that's that's what you want. Do you yep. you stab people in the face and neck? No, I like I stab them in their general hitbox. Like there's no aiming for a target. Okay. Like, the Souls games had, like, a mechanic where you could, like, hack, like, the tails off monsters and stuff to get special drops, which is very Monster Hunter. But Bloodborne, for one, most of the enemies are much more human-sized, so cutting off limbs doesn't really make sense, and the way that you acquire weapons and stuff doesn't really gel with that. But So it doesn't have any of those systems. Mm-hmm. It sounds if, you wanna like... play, if you want to play a Souls game, Bloodborne seems like a great beginner one, because... Yeah. It is the most like a real video game that normal people play. It seems like it's got rid of a lot of the stuff with hollowing and like uh, the way that games like Demon Souls is you don't you can't play it unless you've got your souls. Otherwise, you're screwed. Uh, I mean, you know, it's not that different. It just, you know, I I don't know. It's a different thing, but it's hard to articulate without you knowing what both games are. Okay, yeah, I will play Bloodborne next year at some point. Yeah, I I think you'd enjoy that game. What about it's, got, it's the action game you're looking for. Uh, Destiny, what British simulator did you play? Um, what British simulator did I play? Um, you know, I didn't play any British simulators. <laughs> oh, darn. You did play American <gasps> Capitalism Simulator today and yesterday with me. Yes, I did. It was super fun. We played Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival. That is, is the, that what yes, it's called? Yes, that is the name of that game. Is, yeah. Is it, wait, is it Fortune Street? I don't know what Fortune Street is, Jackson. Oh, it's also... Uh, never mind. Carry on, Destiny. It's this, um, like, board game type game for the Wii U that's kind of like Mario Party. Matt keeps comparing it to the Yogg, but I don't really feel like it's that much like the Yogg. Because the stories aren't... Um... The stories aren't connected, but the way that it just presents you, like, these scenarios that are just, like... There's something about, like, the heartwarming, like story time nature of it that reminds me a lot of the og they are super in character like even if they repeat like we played with isabel and digby as our amiibos and you go around this board you can pick what season you want to play in or what month you want to play in and the length of the game is a month and like um you can land on different car or excuse me different board pieces that either give you happy points or take away happy points or give you bells or take away bells and these event cards or excuse me these event spaces like let's say you lose money it'll say something like i went and i went fishing and i got a bunch of garbage and i had to sell it all and it cost or excuse me i had to pay to recycle it all and it cost a lot of money so then you lose money and so there's a lot of goofy funny things like uh what was what were some of the good ones uh I just want to say before we get into that, the thing that I said about on Twitter is that it reminds me of the Yogg, but the points don't matter. Like, it's like the Yogg is an improv game, but using the accoutrement of Animal Crossing as, like, storytelling. Okay. Is Animal Crossing like, yeah. Drew Carey there? <laughs> uh, yes. Shrunk <laughs> is totally Animal Crossing Drew Carey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, but, like, one of my favorite things is, like, you heard that K.K. Slider was taking photos for a new album cover, and you traveled, so it costs you, like, 200 bells or whatever. But the little story time picture is actually one of the covers of, it's, uh, what is it, K.K. Cafe? Cafe K.K., yeah. I think is And it's just, song. like, your character standing by all these cameras as K.K. Slider is sitting outside this cafe for this co- album cover that I know is, like, a real album cover because I see it in the other Animal Crossing games. And there's just, like, this weird attention to detail 
in creating these stories that I I find super charming. It's just the cutest, like most lighthearted game. And unlike Mario Party, there's no real competition. Like there's a winner at the end, but nobody really cares, and it doesn't have the hard swings. Like it's just kind of everyone wins because everyone gets the points to upgrade their character, uh, which unlocks outfits. So of course you want to do that immediately. Uh, also, like it doesn't feel like. I mean, obviously they're cashing in on the success of New Leaf. But because there's a bunch of beautiful little details like Shrunk being bad at jokes and uh, <laughs> uh, when is- when you see Isabel's house in some of the story time cutscenes, there's a picture of Digby on her bookshelf because they're brother and sister. Like that makes it feel like they actually cared about what they were doing and it wasn't just some throwaway thin thing that they put together. Yep. Also, the mini games seem really weird. Like I did like an island survival thing, where I was like moving on a hex grid and collecting resources to build a raft. I had like seven days. It was like somewhere between like civilization and like don't starve. It was really interesting. Like it was cool. Yeah, some of the experiments that are going like that game to me seems like a team like trying a bunch of different things and just putting it all in a wrapper, and that's always pretty exciting to me. Oh yeah, and the fact that you can scan your amiibo cards to put like any animal crossing character you like into the game makes it so sweet yep fat stack of amiibo cards it's it's a game that justifies the amiibo in a way that most games i feel like have not yet absolutely like you have to put your amiibo on the nfc reader to roll dice you use the cards to scan characters into the game it connects to happy home designer because you can upload houses it's i'm surprised at how robust it is for this thing that i assumed was just some like gross cash so like it's basically designed for the scenario where there's four of you you'll have your amiibo and your card sitting around the table where the wii u tablet is and you take turns yeah like basically i put like the tablet on like this little tray that i had between us and we just both tapped our amiibo when we need like the tablet is very much meant to be like the communal thing everyone gathers around and then looks at the tv that's that's mm. really smart. That's really yeah. good. That's really yeah, it's good. pretty it's cool. Super cool. The Wii is a great a great thing, and it's a shame that no one bought it. Yep, I agree. I agree. I thought people were buying it up to play Mario Maker. I mean, Some they are, are, but but not to the like in the history when the history is written, the Wii U will be seen as like a big failure. The history is already Aww. written. Yeah, sure. Uh, that's sad. The history was written it's, a it's, couple years ago. His, history's not over yet. No, that's it's true. over. It's been in video game terms. It was over pretty fast. Yep. I mean, look, it's not the Dreamcast. No. That's that's very. You can't just burn Wii U games to a disc. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's not the Xbox. Is it doing better or worse than the Xbox? I don't. I actually don't know the answer to that. I'm afraid to know the answer to that. I think I'm gonna find <laughs> out. Okay, well, here we go. We're gonna go to break and go to our second segment, and then Jackson have the answer after this musical uh, interview.
have segment two, uh, where we talk about a, some sort of aspect. Oh, wait, actually, Jackson, we need an answer to the question. Who's that Xbox Pokemon? or Wii U? <laughs> okay, so on the list, VG Charts, Wii U sits at 10.72 million global sales. The Xbox sits at 24.65 million global sales. Uh, that's so sad. <laughs> the Xbox One is at 15. Yeah. that That's maybe a sadder answer. <laughs> um, yeah, I man. saw that one there. I was like, I gotta throw that in. <laughs> so, uh, great. Jackson, we have a segment two. I okay. think you pitched this one to us. Uh, yeah. Uh, you want to introduce it? Uh, it um... <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> yeah, so uh, our, this came out of me actually watching a lot of Monster Factory. We've all been watching that recently. And thinking about the idea of the way game stories uh, interact with the people playing them and how people like create their own stories for games. Basically, Do you, the, want, to, do you want to briefly describe what Monster Factory is for Monst- people? Uh, Monster Factory is a series in which uh, Griffin and... Hang on. No, Justin. Justin that's it. Griffin and Justin McElroy uh, break video games, but the and by by making ridiculous characters and character creators and then playing the game with those characters. But it's far more about the stories that organically come up through the interaction between these two people in the game and the narrative they force onto it. And it's incredibly entertaining. But the thing I wanted to discuss is that exact phenomenon of playing a game and having elements of it through yourself and the people you're playing with become your version of canon for your experience even though it has nothing to do with the actual narrative of whatever game is being played so this has like a more formal element in like fandom culture which is just called headcanon where it's like you see people tweeting about like the idea that link is like a trans girl uh in like this at least the circles i follow in that's like a big thing that people are like really invested in as like a headcanon narrative uh and we mean a little bit of that but i think we're mostly talking individual experiences here more than that sort of thing yes because uh, that stuff uh, requires research that we weren't going to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, also, it's true, right? Like, th- come on. I think that's a slightly different thing. I mean, it, yeah, is it? Is it? Hmm. I guess it's not. No, it's just like a broad, like when the broader culture all agrees on this same like version of the story, that's when it becomes a bigger thing. But in my head, the the broader culture version of it is something like when the Twitch plays Pokemon thing was going on, everyone yelling like whatever the the item that they kept bringing up was like became this big icon in the thing the, the shell yeah, the and helix fossil the helix fossil and everyone was making memes and jokes yeah. about that there's a difference between so like that's like a difference in degree but i think it all comes from the same place that's fair enough like the narratives that people build around like a mechanical thing or like a like a piece of gameplay that they just fixate on are not in co- like actually that different than like story beats that everyone agrees on in the same direction mm-hmm. but yeah so i one of the things I feel is that this is something I'm always jealous of when I see it happen because it happens in videos, it happens in whether there's a shared experience, but it I very rarely happens one to one with a game. Uh, mm-hmm. But like, so I know we had like Destiny. You said this is a thing you relate to when playing uh, games as a kid a lot. Yeah, when I was a kid, we would come up with little stories to get through games all the time that had nothing to do with what was actually happening in the game. Yeah. And there was a specific game that I do not know the name of. It was a game that I played growing up. Uh, I rented it a lot. And it involved Disney characters. I don't remember if it was... I want to say when you played two-player. It wasn't Kingdom Hearts (laughs) because I wasn't wasn't a child when that game came out. Um, 
So anyway, you were playing as Donald and Goofy if you were playing on two-player. I'm sorry. Shush. I'm sorry. You were running through this, like, it was a like a scroll, a side-scroller, and you were running through and collecting stuff, and I want to say you had to rescue Mickey, but I actually don't remember, and I always thought this game was Cash- Castle of Illusion, but I don't think it was. So, but anyway. World of Illusion is a game in which you can play as Mickey and Donald for multiplayer. Maybe that was the game. It is a Genesis game. It it might have been that. Um, The only thing I remember from it clearly was that there was a food level where the backgrounds were all like candy and cakes and it was the best. That that is in Castle of Illusion. I don't. That's a Castle of Illusion. Really? But you don't. Is is there a two-player mode in that? I don't think so. But it sounds like this this whole thing, like, childhood, this was the thing you did, and all this is kind of blended together. Yep. Yes. And, like, okay, so part of the headcanon was that your two characters, we were running away from the G-Men. Because at the time, <laughs> I was reading a lot of books about spies and, like, uh, detectives and how to, like, be one. So I had read that historically police were called G-Men and I thought this was brilliant, <laughs> and it was just hilarious to me. And so me and my sister would crack each other up, pretending that the characters in the video game were hiding from the cops. So what you're telling me is World of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck is secretly Half-Life 3? Yes. Okay. I, was, I go to... Ha- so, uh, true fact about me, when I think of G-Man, I think of House of the Dead. <laughs> <laughs> I think of Half-Life, even though I have not pl- played... Or I've not completed, and I do not like Half Life. I immediately think of Half Life. No, nope, ha- I. That's pretty didn't great. Think- I went to enough arcades at the time that no one was going to arcades because I was a child to play House of the Dead three and four a lot. And hey, G Man, he's the guy. Is he the guy? <laughs> he- he's. The- How much do you know about House of the Dead? <laughs> uh, I've seen the Uwe Ball movie. I've played House of the Dead two a couple times in arcades. Do you not know G Man? I don't know much. No, I don't know what you're talking about. He's the the guy from House of the Dead. Okay. He's he's not quite the Wesker because he's a good guy, but he's the mysterious guy with a past who seems to be tied up in everything, but is usually your partner for some reason. Anyway, that's House of the Dead. No one cares about that in 2015. Fun. Uh, yeah. Do you have any other ones? Does Matt have any? So I have this. So I'm doing a Fallout 3 Let's Play. Yes. And or Fallout New Vegas. Sorry, not Fallout 3. Um. In my head, they're basically the same thing at this point. But a Fallout New Vegas Let's Play. And I started out wanting to, like, roleplay my experience and found myself not really able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting because the one time that I really actually got really into this kind of headcanon stuff was when I was playing uh, Dragon Age Origins. In which I had a character who's, like, a city elf. And if you don't know the story, like, the origin of the city elf is that the city elves are, like, this oppressed like underclass in service to the humans in this town and the story opens with you get you getting married because i played a lady uh basically like this drunken earl and his friends come in and kidnap you and like your best friend to be like entertainment women for them and kill your husband and you end up taking revenge and killing them all and then being exiled because of it and so i played this character as like oh my character is like super distrustful of men and humans compounding especially and so, like, at the early part of the game, I got into the relationship with one of my female party members. Mm-hmm. But then when an opportunity came to, like, you could manipulate one of the men into, like, a position of power if you formed a relationship with them, I did that. And, like, it all combined into this idea where, like, she came to this point where she needed 
a, like she was capable of using people, but she also needed people. And it was like this weird, fragile, tenuous thing. And the game kind of supports those reads in that that, that game is so much focused on the relationships. Um, I think on some level Fallout didn't work for me because that game is just a, hey, how do you like dictate your whims onto the NPCs in a video game? Like it's not it's not story driven in the way that something like Dragon Age is. Well Dragon I need, Age is only... I think I need something to hang off of yeah. when I like engage in this sort of thing. Uh I need like humanity to it. Mm-hmm. When I played that storyline in Dragon Quest I played it like I was just getting married as a favor and I didn't actually love the guy I was marrying. Mm-hmm. But then when he gets killed, I keep his wedding ring because I feel bad. <laughs> well, this is that's pretty good. This is like comes back to <laughs> one of our early conversations about Beyond. I remember like I was all whatever his name, Ryan, the, the love interest in Beyond. Yeah, I think that's his yeah, name. And I'm like, fuck that guy. Uh, and you're like, yeah, this guy seems cool. Um, <laughs> I- as I said there, it's not that I think that guy seems no, Jody cool. It's that is... Jody thinks that guy seems cool, and I'm willing to give Jody what she wants. She yep. deserves it. Yep, exactly. Which is actually this weird moment, because I didn't, like, I was so lined up with Jody's character. Like, my read of Jody's character before that had been dictated by all these past events. The the way that uh, that plot development separated uh, the read of how I was playing Jody compared to how the game was playing Jody created this weird dissonance that uh, messed my... Enjoy- not eh, not entirely up, but it was it was a slightly dissonant moment. But I think that's a similar thing, of uh, like projecting your own, or at least in my case, projecting my own. This is what this needs to be onto a game that doesn't necessarily support that. Okay. Uh, another in a different direction. Uh, there's like modes in games that don't have these things that are designed to create them, right? So, what's that Pokemon thing, the Nuzlocke thing? That's the what? The Nuzlocke challenge, the Pokemon thing. Oh, yeah, the Nuz... I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember anything about it. It's like, it's got a bunch of... It's an informal challenge in which a bunch of rules are imposed on the game that's like, you have to name all your Pokemon. You can't... You have to name them, give them personal names. As soon as they die, they are dead. You have to let them go forever. I... I don't know if this counts, does it? Like, this I, is almost just like special rule sets but I as think opposed to like a headcanon. It's kind of related. It's special rule sets designed to, like, it's designed to make the story the, like, it overrides the story of what Pokemon is and gives you, and tells you, hey, the story that you just run into through your experiences with these rule sets is the story you will experience with this game. Like, it's totally this same thing. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I never really thought about it that way. I guess you're right. Yeah. Um... But I, 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 that's the, one of the only ones I can think of where it happens on. It happens with one person. Mm-hmm. Usually, the ways I see this happen are just jokes that come out of let's plays and stuff and shared experiences. It's not. I don't like it. I don't think it has to necessarily be but, that. Like not jokes. Uh, that's the wrong thing. But it's the you know. Um, I also don't think it has to be culturally. Like I have this weird elaborate Mario head cannon that comes from playing too many Mario games yeah. growing up, and like hanging off of the not fleshed out stories at all that exist in that universe. Mm-hmm. This is like really unique to me. What's interesting to me is like Mario. Everyone who likes Mario has their own idea of what the universe of Mario actually is, mm-hmm. and they all kind of line up, but they're all pretty different in like key ways. Yeah, and I think that I think that's really fascinating. It's like what happens when a game is like perpetually underwritten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like i actually really appreciate that i prefer underwritten games to like incredible like everything is world built and fleshed out and lore and i mean we talked about this in our lore episode a little bit 
Oh, you know what other game I used to do this with especially? Mm. Which one? Street Fighter 2. Really? Wrote a whole thing in my head that Chun-Li and Ryu were exes. It's probably true, and... to be honest. <laughs> I mean, he's a karate man and she's a cop. I assume she'd have no time for him. They fight crime. Um, I'm trying to remember the other details, but all the characters, we had interconnected them somehow. They all kind of involved my sister, Tabitha, because we were... Of, we were of that age where you just played a lot of Super Nintendo. And um, I wish I could remember some of the other ones. Like, E. Honda was Ryu's uncle. That's racist. <laughs> and, well, I mean, it wasn't. I don't know. We just. We were like, you're both Japanese, therefore you have to be related. <laughs> to be fair, that's, at, that's not your logic. That's kind of Street Fighter's logic. <laughs> It's kid logic. No, it's it's, it's kid, kid logic, but it's also the logic by which every single one of these franchises where it's like international fighters operate. Everyone from every country is secretly knows each other somehow. For some reason yeah. in my head, I want to say that Chun-Li and Guile are like actually a canon item, but that might be that animated film for Street Fighter 2. <laughs> I never thought. Because he's like a he's like an army guy, but he's like an international crime fighter also. Like Ryu's just like a wandering monk. Like he's not fighting crime. What was the deal with... Which one is the okay? Which one is the guy that wears the camouflage and always goes Sonic Boom? That's Guile. Okay, Guile and Ken were like brothers, best friends. <laughs> no, they weren't brothers. They were best friends, but they start. They had a fight. They fought over a girl, and that's why they were which go like rivals in this fighting tournament. <laughs> Who? But I don't know them? if the girl was also Chun Li because I think she's the only girl in Street Fighter Two Turbo. Am I mistaken? Is Cammy in is that Cammy, game? I don't think, I think. I don't think Cammy's in that game. Cammy might be a later addition to like Super Street Fighter Two. Just... No, I I played Street Fighter Two Turbo specifically. It was like one of the only. We didn't own a lot of Super Nintendo games. We were more of a renting family, so I know that was when we actually owned outright. Okay. Uh, so I'm pretty sure that I don't remember Cammy being in it. And yeah, there was a lot of like fighting over girls and like uh, E. Honda would beat up the car because this is horrible. But Kid Logic, he was too big to fit in it because he's a sumo wrestler. Oh, and that's why he would beat up the car. He was angry at he was it. Angry at the car. And he we to get we the were car. little children. We didn't know any better. Oh. <laughs> I had a whole Blanca thing, too, where like he was forced to fight for his survival because of his situation you know being like this green mutant in brazil and so uh to like eat he would just do these like fights and get paid for it <laughs> i don't know what you know what the, the best on. part of this is this isn't actually any better or worse than the actual street fighter 2 lore <laughs> which is nonsense <laughs> i don't actually garbage. know any of it because we just tabitha and i just kind of wrote it uh okay hang on let me guess um so Ken and Ryu train together. Yes, Ken and are like the two sides of the same coin because like one of them's cocky and American, and one of them's like all taciturn and you know responsible yeah. and Asian. I remember them being pretty similar, and I'm sure we wrote something where they were like old friends. Or and something. they they just want to be in Street Fighter because they're the best. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> uh, like um, Guile, Guile's looking for his partner Charlie who M. Bison killed, and Chun-Li is looking after M. Bison because she's a cop, and M. Bison's, like, this warlord or whatever. Oh and my so God. that's why they're both, like, paired up, because they're both, like, government-sanctioned crime fighter people. And how does Kylie uh, Minogue fit into this? I don't remember. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Okay. <laughs> e. Honda in the movie, I think, is a bad guy. 
Yes. Really? Yeah. I in my as a kid growing up, I always thought that E Honda and Piston Honda from Punch Out were related. <laughs> so. Uh, oh yeah, I had a lot of like these people are related more so with actors than um, video game characters. Uh, Cammy is totally in Street Fighter Two Turbo. Okay. Cammy is also a military person. She's with the British Special Services or something. Yeah, that's a, that's a British SAS uniform. Okay. Really? They wear no! like leotards. <laughs> I was willing to believe you that in some era, people just wore really ridiculous, cool SAS uniforms. You know, if the SAS had to all wear that uniform, <laughs> be alright. But, yeah, I, uh, so, me and Destiny were joking, playing uh, Amiibo Festival, about how all of Digby's events seemed to be like, I went and li- I, like, sold something to my neighbors, or I created this service where I'm doing everybody's laundry and got paid, so in our heads, like, Digby is, like, this ultra-capitalist, just, like, this yeah, libertarian entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. He's always trying to, like, get, like, a referral bonus or, like, a trick someone into taking a correspondence course yeah. Yeah. that he's teaching. Yeah. Uh, so this stuff is stuff we do all the time. I think it's totally facilitated by playing games with others. Yeah, no, I, th- I think playing games Jackson with and I talk about it, the same thing. How it comes about the, the strongest. And you don't even have to play it, like, at the, like, you don't even have to play it at the same time, but if everyone's, like, playing and talking about a game, like, in tandem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think on some level, this is kind of the, like, appeal of, like, games of the moment, even though I find that kind of, I have a lot of difficulty with that idea, but, like, that's a part of the appeal, I think, is everyone's having the same conversation and jokes all the time. Well, I remember that was, like part of why we love Yakuza 3 so much and like playing it together going back and forth joking about a lot of the implications about the characters yeah uh, just what that game says about who Rikia is yeah I mean that's part of the reason why I really like this game club it's not just that we have to all play a game to be able to talk about it well and I don't like when podcasts have hosts on there like I didn't really play this game but I'll talk about it anyway but more specifically that we all play the same game together allows us the opportunity to have conversations and like joke about stuff and you know maybe not this month because the game was sad and small but on months where it's like a broader game we all kind of have this shared experience of you and me jackson had like four separate nights where we argued about quistus and Squall. that okay (laughs) that was a different thing but yes i know but it's so wrapped up in our own like viewpoints on the world and those characters i don't think it's that different than what we've been talking about Oh, I see that as, like, the most... Uh, I see that as a different thing for some reason. I guess you're right. I guess it's the same thing. Yeah, like, it's serious. Just to an, ex- to an extreme. A lot, of, a lot of headcanon is very serious. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, goofy jokes or anything. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't have to be Trash Hulk in the final Pam. <laughs> <laughs> All of us just laughing about Monster Factory for the next ten minutes of the podcast. Jesus. It's, Please watch Monster Factory so on YouTube. I want that's. I would love to be able to do that. I can do that with people. I, you know, just sitting there. Like when I was younger, we, me and my buddy Charlie, we played Dino Crisis Three. And mm-hmm. Is that the one in space? Yes. Okay. And we decided to name all the characters after actors, and they were in a dumb love triangle in our heads. Angry <laughs> that's about great. like I can't remember what we named the other two. One of them is Vin Diesel because he looks like Vin Diesel. But the other two really were like, did. I looked it up. Were like act, in the moment actors that kids would have known in 2003. So fuck knows what they were now. We think one of them might have been Ethan Hawke. I don't know. 
But <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> Considering what Ethan Hawke was up to in twenty or uh, two thousand three, I'm pretty sure he was just in like Linklater movies. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Was no was assault was that the year Training Day came out? Destiny doesn't remember. Training Day was two thousand two. Oh, Destiny doesn't know. I've, I've... I'm gonna refer to myself in the third person one more time. Destiny <laughs> is very cold, and uh... but no, okay. So another headcanon thing because I just have so many. I don't, I don't have any serious examples off the top of my head, but one of my uh, more like silly ones was when Matt and I were, had our little Minecraft home, and we had that rabbit that we kept in it named Bobby Briggs. <laughs> yeah. <that>? Yes. <laughs> That was our little cozy family. <laughs> yep, you, me, and Bobby Briggs from Twin yep. Peaks, which is a horrifying thing to have in your house if you know anything about Twin Peaks, but look. <laughs> look. Yeah, I thought that was fun. Oh, and then like when the three of us played for Game Club, I feel like we had a lot of weird little goings on. Yep. For which one? For Minecraft. Oh, Minecraft, yes. Yeah. yeah, I think Minecraft is a game that's probably really ripe with that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, because it just leaves people. you a world to like, basically fill in the blanks of like theme as much as you want to. Uh, the- oh yeah, when I played by myself even, I had a lot of stuff going on where it's like, I just moved into this abandoned, uh, what are those, monkful monasteries? Like one of those abandoned villages? Mm-hmm. And there was like a river in between me and all the danger. And uh, I had written this like, I'm the last person on earth kind of a thing for myself in my head. It was all very um, cast away. Uh, the, the two things I kind of want to touch on before this segment wraps up are, I know, Destiny, you uh, have played a lot of The Sims. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's what I, when I played The Sims, it was just... One, I want to turn on unlimited money and build this fucking house. Let's do this. And two, <laughs> just weird stories with these like people that you find and like, oh, this person's gonna get with this person, and now they're angry. And this is like that. The Sims is oh, what yeah. I think of when I think of story generator game. So I've been I've been picking at The Sims uh, every once in a while, uh, not very often, but I. So I have a character, and she lives by herself, and all she wants to do is play guitar. That's, like, her one aspiration. <laughs> but, like, you have, like, the nor- the random aspirations that pop up. And one of them that I've been keeping, because it coincides with her, like, life goal, is to go see a symphony. And I've had this hilarious, like, multi-day hijinks where I think I find where the symphony is playing in town. And I take all the time out of my day to go to it, and it's not the symphony. It, like I'm like, oh, a theater. It's going to be at this theater. Theater does not have the symphony in it. <laughs> I go to the museum. I'm like, maybe they're playing there. That kind of makes sense to me. I don't know. That's artsy. Not playing there. Where I still the do not know where the symphony is. But the- I'm pretty sure it's the it's the theater, but it's on weird nights. Oh, okay. It, so it's not- my character is basically... Are you telling me this is the symphony of the night? <laughs> my character is basically like because of my ineptitude is having this thing where she's new in town and doesn't know where or how anything works in town. So she's just like showing up to places on the wrong days and stuff. Just, madam, That's madam, have you seen the symphony? <laughs> Can no. you direct- like, what day is it? They have, there are days of the week, you know, in the game, like there's an in-game calendar yeah. and I'm pretty sure the symphony is certain weeknights for a certain, it's like a limited time because the place closes mm-hmm. So some nights it's movies and other nights it's like performances because there's rock shows. And because my character, uh, for some reason, just got off schedule because I have a hard time keeping them on like a normal diurnal schedule uh, because I need to fill those bars. So apparently you wake up at 3 a.m. to clean your shower or something so you can take a bath (laughs) and get clean. Um, (laughs) Just like real life. 
I basically had to like rearrange my entire like life for three days to get to this show that was at noon because she wouldn't she wouldn't wake up in time to go. And <laughs> I go to, like, to the call theater. Sick to work. I go to this theater to go to the show because it's like oh the show is at noon and I'm like this is gonna be the symphony. No, it's a movie, and she doesn't even <laughs> want to go see the movie. <laughs> This is fantastic. This is fantastic. This is great. Yeah, the thing. Sims is full of stuff. Like in my early days of playing the first Sims game on PC, they had skins you could download, and I had one that looked like Conan O'Brien. And so, like, what I did was I had to marry this rich woman. I think it was Bella Goth, because if you married like one of the pre-made characters, you would just get their household worth, net worth in your um, inventory, money-wise. So, like. He would marry Bella Goth after I kill off Mortimer Goth, her husband, and uh, then she would just have a million kids with him. Or, like, I can't remember the limit of kids you could have in The Sims, but it was, like, six kids, I think? I think so. And just, he had to, like, quit his job as a talk show host to father all these children (laughs) with this rich woman. (laughs) It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. (laughs) All right. Is there anything else, Jackson, or should we close this segment uh, out? The other thing I'd want to mention is, like, the way this does come in the cultural sense of where it's basically a celebration of how games don't fucking make sense. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, um, the, the 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 famous one, the, the Half-Life one, the Gordon's Brain, is that it? Was that what it's called? The one who's basically a monologue of Half-Life but apply oh where he's like yeah. a total psychopath sociopath yeah like applying whatever. the logic of the game world to what the narrative is meant to be and the <clears throat> the ludo narrative dissonance that is look i i i like that because uh i feel like it's usually done in a loving way like most of the time games just accept that that's a thing and that that dissonance will exist and instead of trying to address it and make everything line up exactly they just kind of say yeah it's fine for there to be it's fine for you to be able to run around in a circle while mr assassin's creed is giving you a lecture yep (laughs) uh and i I wouldn't want that to go away because i feel like the actual answer in that circumstance is if there's a narrative there people will buy into it and play by the rules of it so yeah. you don't need to take away their ability to not fuck it up. You just need to make it worth caring about, is my opinion. And like, I like the idea that those two things can't be related mm-hmm. is like really bad. I think like creatively, because like some people just aren't going to take your work seriously or like not treat it with like the gravity in which you intended. But that doesn't mean that they don't care or yeah. that they're not invested. I'm like, still listening true. when I'm running in a circle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's another way to do things. I don't think it's a odd way of saying, like, this sucks. It's just sort of a, it's just another way to do Your imagination kind of runs away with you sometimes. There's one thing you know about me. It's I care a lot about Metal Gear Solid 2, but I sure was <laughs> zooming my face in on every single codec entry. Yep. <laughs> oh, yep. yeah, we did that all the time. Just, it's hard not to And then you, you hit those triggers <laughs> and Ryan's <laughs> like, what? What? What, yeah, what, what? does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And when they take that away, I was very sad. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, that was fun. Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll be a short break, and we'll be back with our game club this month. Yeah. 
so our game club this month is Bees Wing, a PC and Mac game uh, by Jack King Spooner. Uh, we'll link to it. You can get it on Steam. You can get it on Itch.io. Uh, this was a game that was kickstarted. Jack King Spooner is a uh, relatively well-known like alt game maker, known mostly for like all of his games have handmade art uh, throughout. Um, and this is a game about uh, Bees Wing, which is a small town in Scotland. And about a character that I assume is autobiographical returning back home to this town in which he grew up and his feelings about it as he wanders through it. Um, kind of like a, I guess it is the most walking simulator of video games, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I picked this because I like Jack Kingspooner's work. I had been kind of holding off on playing this, thinking that we might do it when we needed a small game, because I know it was small. Uh, game's about two... My Steam thing says two hours. I feel like it was close to three, but I guess I don't know. Um, how did everybody find B-Swing? I absolutely it, loved it. Uh, yeah, it was it was something. Uh, when I first loaded it up, like it was very just... Emo- emotional punch in the face from the start and that was to be fair the first impact it settled down a bit but in terms of just overwhelming openings to anything so I, I, what it, can you explain exactly what you found like you can be explicit because you know spoilers or whatever yes but uh you should play b-swing yeah uh it's great if you haven't played no, it, i mean uh, don't the assumption of everyone mapping is we don't like if you're gonna listen to us we're gonna talk about the game oh sure yeah. but i wanted to stress uh the this is a game worth playing mm. like if you listen and usually don't care yeah uh you should definitely play because it's not very long and we all love it so go play b-swing it's cheap but, yeah. it's short and it's good <laughs> cheap short and good yeah no mapping seal of approval <laughs> uh it, and it begins with a short section of you in your house uh, as a child. I think as a child. I um, assume. So I think that that stuff is like your character at the home he lives in now, which is not in Bees Wing, which is probably in a city somewhere with like his girlfriend. Yeah, that's partner. the impression. I didn't oh. get that, though. I thought you were a kid until the end of the game where you're in that setting again. No, to me, that setting to me is like him he's like oh i've got to go like to me it's like oh i have to go to my home again and like it's all like a framing device of like what it like oh i gotta go and that sucks oh and right yeah mm-hmm. he like it's implied that maybe he falls into a dream but i actually don't think that's what it is like when you go into bed you have that thing of like the jazz band playing and then you end up back in beeswing yeah mm-hmm. but at the end of the game but the end you leave by bus so i assume he just actually went and it was but, like the, but there's well, the part before the bus where you wake up and you're in bed with the and the girl tells the girlfriend's like i had a dream and he told me that not to be afraid of dying mm-hmm. so that's why i thought maybe yeah that stuff to me is all probably all like the night before you went back home oh uh, okay uh, i i guess you could read it however you want but there is a dream like quality yes, to everything in sure. this game but i don't think it i think it is far more nuanced and doesn't actually care about whether it's saying yeah, yeah, this no, is all a dream or that, not that's that like, was, my read was like that <laughs> framing device was the night before you left to go back home okay oh my read my read was like it was timeless in the this is kind of this is where he is in life now and this is him returning to the old life but whether or not these exact events occurred before or after, like, the, the, yeah, no, it doesn't, the it doesn't order matter. It doesn't. barely matters. Yeah. Uh, but so you, you, there's like a hard cut, and then you're back staying with your mother in your old house mm-hmm. uh, where you grew up. And the, like, it's hard to overstate how 
melancholy the atmosphere is at this point just the music and the art is like really haunting and everyone speaks in this incredibly aspirational style i think that's the word i used um where they're just bearing their soul at the drop of a hat instantly like everyone is just saying their the insights, things they their are philosophies. thinking so for me uh i come to this having played almost all of jack king spooner's games <laughs> Like, his style, when it was... Because most of his games are more abstracted, like, thematically than this game. Mm, uh, yeah. This one is, like, really grounded in a way that most of them aren't. But uh, for me, it's always been, like, he makes games about characters, like... It's almost like this is exploring the internal monologue of the author, like, really explicitly. Of, like, all the various parts and, like, maybe I believe this, but maybe I half disagree with it. And I'm going to put both of those viewpoints into my game. Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't even try for the pretense of, like, coaching beliefs under, like, a facade of characterization. It just gives you characters that explicitly state worldviews and philosophies and lets you build out a character from that if you want. But mm-hmm. to me, like the weird thing about Jack King Spinner games, or maybe it's not weird, is that every character is the same character in my head. Yeah, like, it's kind of that way for me too, but it wasn't a bad thing. It, it no, no, no. Me. I actually like that quality to it. To me, it's like all these games feel like someone working through their own head. And yeah. I really appreciate that about it. Did you ever see Richard Linklater's movie Slacker? No. It's essentially like, it's this... Uh, series of characters just wandering around Austin and you just the movie kind of just fall it goes from person to person but it's all in the same setting and everybody that talks just kind of has this similar worldview mm-hmm. but they're all just kind of like artists and weirdos in Austin and that's kind of what this game reminded me of mm-hmm. so Jackson you were speaking of your gut punch <laughs> uh, yeah. at the beginning sorry and so the, the first thing I did was just uh talk to my mom and my mom's like uh, I can't remember what she says, but she's not in a good way. She basically um, is talking about how happy she is to not be alone while you're yeah. here. Because the game is just filled with loss, yeah. especially at the start. And she, uh, uh, yeah, she, I think she tasks you with like talking to your neighbors. She's like, hey, go say yeah. hi to all your, the people we live by. So the first thing the game does is, oh man, it's great. This brief relief from loneliness is like the only thing that is keeping me going. And then the first thing you do is you go next door and the the first conversation you have in that game is with someone whose uh, mother has just died. And they're just this three pages of the most raw text on that subject. Just talking about how the spaces are just this thing that are taunting this person and haunting them. And they are being reminded of this person's existence every day, and it is torturing them every like. Just it is, and I'm I'm like breaking down reading this because I have a thing about loneliness, and obviously like I'm terrified of death and everything, which I this game is tapping into. But it out of the gate charges for that point in a way that, like I I think I came and said to you like after that I don't know if we can do this game. This game is messing me up in a way that I don't think any game has since Actual Sunlight. Mm. Um, this ends up going a very different way because Actual Sunlight, it, is a, it starts uh, and then goes down. Yeah. But B-Swing isn't... I don't think it goes up. It kind of does. But I think it just kind of is well, that's, more than it uh, If I can interject, like, yeah, when it started, yeah. I was like, oh, this is a very sad game. But as it goes on, it's just... It's more of like a... Um, documentary almost but like it's it's interesting because it it 
like I think it comes out of a place of someone who is very melancholy in general, like the author. If they're writing like a genuine viewpoint, it comes from a very not I wouldn't say negative, but just like a very lonely, introspective place. Yeah, there's a lot of but meditation on death and like the aging. game the game ex- like isn't explicitly about that a lot of the time and often you'll find yourself like stumbling across like weird tiny jokes and like there's a certain like sardonic sense of humor to a lot of the goings on like uh, when you to go me. to the playground and you talk to all the kids yeah um and like so one of the things you're talking about is like the walls of text about the character talking about it a little loss. But to me, like what's even more impactful is when you go upstairs and you just see like his bed with like a bunch of garbage strewn around it. And it's like, he, because this is all hand drawn, you can be really meticulous with the detail of like, oh, this character is clearly like just eating dinner in bed and has been for like days and doesn't really care. And all the clothes are just in a pile. Like this is a character who's clearly just given up. And that kind of like environmental storytelling is explicitly part of the world, but also contributes to some of like the weird points where like on some level this game is like a tour of the toilets of Scotland <laughs> and the barks that resolve from every time you examine a toilet. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's one for the every toilet. single toilet. Yep. Yeah. 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 Is that what I think it is? <laughs> that was my favorite one. Yep. Um oh I was also going to say that yeah, that, like it's just it's more meditative than it is sad like there are just there's different viewpoints on mental illness different viewpoints on like pet ownership there's like a lot happening and then the fact that like um throughout the like when it hit me that this is a real place uh that's when it started to become less about this heavy emotional thing and more about just like getting to know this tiny place uh it's scotland right yeah yes yeah like and it's yeah, it's just sort of a document of home. Um, one of the things, one of my favorite parts of the game is actually one of the first people you run across is like you go downstairs and there's this uh, character talking about is it their son or their brother or something who's upstairs and it's like oh you need to help him he's like lost in his own world and you go upstairs and he's like mentally ill and he's like wearing like a tin cap and is just like like talking conspir- about numbers a lot. He seems yeah he seems like schizophrenic basically. And one of the things that you're tasked with in your, like, journal of, like, quests is find some help for... I actually don't remember the name of the character. I think this one was Danny. Okay. And you go the entire game looking for a way to help them. And eventually I was like, okay, I haven't found anything. I think I've seen everything. Let's go back and see if I missed a clue as to where I'm supposed to go. And when you go back to the character, he specifically, like, addresses you. He's like... Look, some days are worse than others. You can't actually fix me. What did you expect? That's not how being mentally ill works. Like, I'm sorry if I seemed more messed up last time we talked, but that's just the way things are. Yeah. And then you, you it checks the quest off. Well, like, you can't actually affect any sort of change. They make you think, like, oh, if you talk to this priest in the city, those, like, as soon as you that's talk for, to the That's priest... for the other character. That's for the character whose uh, mother died. Oh, whoops. I'm sorry. No, this was... um. Oh, darn. I can't remember what it is that you... Yeah, but, like, if but, you leave like, and come back. That's also, that's also like, interesting because you, you talk to the priest and the priest talks to you about, like, death and, like, the afterlife. And you're like, okay, I, it explicitly says, I think I have what I need to help him. Yeah. And when you go back home, he's not there. And, the, and he's, like, he in the just, hospital. Yeah, there's just a note. And it's a phone. It's, oh, it's a phone. phone. It's a phone call. Yeah, right. you talk okay. to him on the phone and he's, he's all right. Like, yeah. he's going to be okay. Like, this is just a hard thing that everybody goes through. And so what's interesting to me is how little, like, your presence actually changes the state of the world. Oh, then there's that what? girl that you go tell her you found Ben. 
And she's like, what do you want? Do you want a sticker? Ooh, my favorite part is like, you're like, oh, where's Ben? Because it's like, oh, like, it's like, oh, these two were clearly your friends and they hooked up and got married or whatever. Uh-huh. And it's like, find Ben, a.k.a. Bendy Man. And it's like all the And you go names. find him and he's, and he's like, hey. hey. Yep. <laughs> and you're like, hi. And there's ellipses and that's it. There's no other interaction with that character. <laughs> and then you and go like, back you found to the ben. woman and she's just like, did you expect to be like treated as a hero? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, a detached characteristic to uh, your character in this game. It's also just mocking, the- or not mocking, but just sort of pointing out that like these quests that you're given in video games where you're celebrated for doing this really mundane thing, they're kind of absurd. Yep. Mm-hmm. Especially if they're just yeah. like things you would do every day. Yep. Yeah. Like it, uh, it definitely <laughs> removes the idea of quest reward structures. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, like I guess we didn't really explain that very well. But like in the very beginning, you sort of just get this list of things to do, and there's like first there's people to see, there's places to go, and then there's like a miscellaneous mm-hmm. section. So the, and then nothing's really detailed other than like uh, get help for this person, get help for that person talk to all your neighbors like that's your first thing that you have to do say hi to all your neighbors and there's this one house that you can't even go into because you don't know them very well Mm -hmm. so it doesn't even i mean it crosses off the thing but you still haven't actually talked to everyone i thought that was kind of funny Mm -hmm. Uh, so one of the things like you talked you both talked about being like a weirdly like a lonely introspective game one of the things i took away from this game which i like this game is introspective but i wouldn't consider it like a particularly sad game um um i agree i actually don't think uh i'll come to that but yeah okay so the way that i read this game explicitly is like people are lonely but they're all kind of lonely together and it's just how it expresses that is different and what causes alienation and like i think you form like i think the game is about seeing the tapestry of like the echoes of everyone's isolation in other people and like to me that's like a thing about bringing people together through like recognizing this fact where like everyone's uh, in the same situation hmm i agree to some extent but i think it positions your character as well there there are moments it moves away from this like specifically with the pigeon um and your dog and everyone Oh, was it, it was cat, a cat or cat. your pet? It's a cat. cat. Sorry, your but cat. they put the he uh, put his real cat in the game that died. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like with that stuff, they move away from it. But aside from that, it's a lot of you talking to other messed up people and peering into everyone else's isolation. And because it's association with your old town and your old way of being, and you leave at the end, it feels less like a game of someone working through their problems or a game that like comes from the middle of something like that. Like it feels reflective. It feels like, Oh, I used to be, I, I, I don't mean to project onto Jack and Spooner at all. I just mean to say that this is the tone I got from it as someone who is definitely in the middle of uh, mental uh, illness and difficulties. It felt like it was coming from the perspective of having worked through to a place of being okay with everything. Hmm. Like it, that's the perspective I got on the game. I don't think that has to conflict with my read on it. I don't think, no, I think it um, lines up with your read a lot. I just think the difference in, uh, like the way it resonates comes from our own perspective rather than uh, 
Like, I'm, uh, you said that I thought it was a sad and lonely game, and I, I do, but I don't actually think the game is a... Like, you, I agree with you, is what I'm saying, okay. but it, uh, the effect on me with that is different. I just mm-hmm. felt like, because you spend most of your time listening instead of talking to people, like, you're, you're, you're playing more of a supportive role than anything else. Like, even though mm-hmm. you're, you know an actor in this world like you're not really affecting anyone as much as you're just kind of observing and listening as their lives play out Mm -hmm. yeah but like also if you take in the framing device of like your character is clearly not in a good headspace in the like flashback or prelude or whatever you want to call it where you're at home with your partner mm-hmm. at the beginning. Cause like a lot of the incidental dialogue, if you examine all the objects is not like pleasant. It's like, Oh, I used to paint or like you try to go downstairs. It's like, Oh, it's dark and cold down there. I don't want to go outside. I used to draw faces. Yeah. Um, and I, part of it to me is like this character, like in this dark place, but like, ev- I don't quite know how to say it. It's like, there's this sense that, Oh, I could come home and like find something. And I think the game on some level is this realization that the memories of home as like this thing that you could like take something from aren't real because these people also went on and lived lives. Yeah. Like, I think it's really telling that like when you go to the bus stop before you've completed all the quests, everyone there is like a weird ghost figure. And then they slowly like become more corporeal as you finish their quest lines. Yeah. Everybody that you like interacted with is at the bus stop. And it's like, coming to terms with the way things are in the present when you revisit this town and everyone's lives have moved on helps realize like they are not your memories and your memories aren't what's what matters in your interactions with these people or what you can take from the place. Cause the place is a real place and you can't like idealize it. And cause that's not going to actually help you in any way. At least that's what I took from it. Yeah. That makes sense. It does to me too. Huh. But yeah, I just, Cause... Uh, just that that sort of supportive role is pretty fascinating because I feel like in any other game you would be the most important person in B's wing or you'd be like the hero who does oh, a thing or yeah, you but, get I mean, something from it. Like but, in, in this type in this type of game, we're not like it's not playing in that kind of field. Well, like, no, I just that's what I'm games. saying. Like you're just you're like this support. You're this um. I don't even think you're a support. I think you're just there. Yeah, yeah you're but just like seeing all these things, you're also helping people's stories get. I don't told. like. I don't think you're. I actually, think you help anyone. You're not help. Yeah, that's like every like at the most people are like nice, are happy to see you as like a nostalgia thing, but nobody cares that you're there. Basically, well, I guess my thing is like, how does that explain like the whole thing where if you, you know. Like Tony and Beatrice, when you go in a certain order, you can hear their stories or like, I guess sure, you hear those stories, but like that doesn't like in the framing device of the game that doesn't actually accomplish anything other than, hey, they told you this stuff, but their lives just go on unaffected. But like you have to go in a specific order to do it. So that's why I felt like it was you being supportive. Like when I was trying to find all the stories from Beatrice, I thought it was because nobody was listening to her on her own terms and so like you going around was sort of doing that so she mm-hmm. was able to have her story told and actually have someone listen sense. as opposed to all the people that were seeing past her or shouting over her mm-hmm. and it was kind of the same thing with tony like nobody really 
paid attention to him. They didn't believe him. And then like somebody, like maybe not you, but somebody got that tape. And then finally you get to see it and it's like, oh, well, he's not who we thought he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, like, I understand that. That makes sense to me. I certainly read your character as more disconnected from the events and uh, someone witnessing stuff. It kind of goes back uh, and forth between making you, like, directly in it and then just talking about it like you're hearing about it secondhand. Because the Beatrice stuff is all, like, it's not really her talking as much as it's more about, like, somebody kind of narrating some different uh, vignettes from her her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the game abstracts to the point where you, like, communicate with her, where, like, I'm willing to accept that as, like, her narrative told to you. It's just told in, like, a different way. Yeah. Yeah, because her narrative ends up, like, encompassing you. Like, it just becomes, like, omniscient third person for a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I forgot that it started in first person, didn't it? No, I think it's always omniscient really? third. It's always it's she's always uses Beatrice to refer okay, to. Okay, I can't. Like, I just couldn't remember. But at some point, it explicitly refers to like her, her talking to you. Like it refers to the interaction between Beatrice and the player. Okay, I just don't remember. Hmm. Um. But yeah, and then like aside from all that, there's just the moments of like weird quiet beauty where you're like on the lake or you're in the field with the sheep oh or yeah Walking... you're in the snowfield yeah the snowfield reading the gravestones uh rowing the boat yep uh walking finding, through the world finding that half drowned horse sorry finding that half drowned horse oh yeah see i missed that and they, they mentioned it a woman in the game mentioned it and then i read about it later and i was like i missed that i still got that vision <laughs> ticked off but i didn't so i somehow managed to Boat around the whole lock without seeing it. Hmm. Hmm. That's strange. Uh, yeah, the the horse guy was it just, I thought it was just hanging out in the water. Yeah, I guess it's just in the water, but it's like in the middle of the lake. Yeah, but he's doing fine. Ah, uh, sure, he's probably. Just out. Probably, he's probably all right. I, he's probably fine. He's probably doing fine. So what's weird is when I was trying to check ch- check all the things off my miscellaneous list, I was convinced that there was a secret to the sheep field. Me too. Because when you go to the sheep field, there's like this joke of like, or like some sheep are green and thus invisible. No, it's why aren't sheep green? Oh, is the thing? Yeah, because they'd be invisible. And I was like, something in here is like a secret trigger, and I'm gonna find an invisible I sheep. Also, Me too. I also tried to look for invisible sheep. I wonder <laughs> if that was intentional. Oh, I'm sure it was, but it just ends with you wandering through a field of sheep looking for a thing to look at. Mm-hmm. No, there's so much like just um sink like like moments of just meditatively walking through these environments without actual goals, and because like even in the forest, like the way that the art works is like there's the trees are paper overlaid on this watercolor painting of hills so like you can walk under the trees does that make sense Mm -hmm. so i always thought something was gonna trigger or there was gonna be a new path if i walked under the trees but nothing would happen it's just this nice way to like enjoy the artwork yep and there's like the moment where you explicitly pass some sort of barrier into becoming claymation yeah versus being animated and, like, the whole world state changes, even though it doesn't actually reflect in the actual game. It's just, like, a visual world state. I also liked that you, your character looks different 
in different yeah. points of the game. Like sometimes, because yeah, little, sometimes you're just like a little kid. Yeah, you're like this little chibi version of yourself. But then when you talk to somebody, the close-up on your face is just like this very realistic grown-up person. And then sometimes you're really tall and you're just a pencil drawing. Sometimes you're like this um, very detailed version of yourself, and sometimes you're just not. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to talk about the TV song. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, um, part of the miscellaneous stuff is when you explore them, uh, there's two, there's like a nice musical thing in the game that's just like a random bit of ephemera, but there are two explicitly like, almost like cutscene moments, and one of them is in the nursing home where you meet, you basically talk to, you find a woman laying on the floor. I don't even know if the implication is that she's dead. I assume Uh, she died. Yeah, um... And it takes you into this TV world and gives you, like, an actual song uh, that will be the end of this podcast that is, like, about what it means to be left alone with only the TV as, like, your accompaniment, as, like, your friends or your family. Yep. And it's amazing. It's, like, one of the best moments in video games. It reminds me of... My great-grandmother lived to be 94, 94 years old, and uh, she was blind for the last 40 years of her life, and she just listen to tv in a room in a dark room like probably the last 20 years of her life and that's what that reminded me of and uh then the second thing i want to point out was the balloon which i thought was like a beautiful moment like it lasts like 30 seconds but i really like it i like how it ends with Mm -hmm. the sound of the balloon popping yep because it's just this, like, you talk to this couple on a hill with a balloon, and the balloon floats up in the air, and it just gives you some text about how, like, their relationship's ending. Is that what it yeah, is, Yeah, they right? broke up, and then when they yeah. see each other again after the... Because they released the balloon to commemorate the end of their relationship. Yeah. So, like, it says... I just played this part, but it says something like, they did, they only saw each other once after this occasion. He was the same, but she was very different. And that's all mm-hmm. it says. And it's, like, really evocative and, like, really quiet and, like, beautiful. But then it just ends with the balloon going off screen and popping. And then it kicks you out of that moment. I also like really it because nice. it's super hard to find. I didn't realize it was on the screen that it was on. Uh, and you're just walking up this hill, like, not expecting to find anything. And then there's just... Yeah, I was people. just wandering around and I'm like, oh, what's this? Yeah. I had to look it up. Yeah. I didn't know they were there until I looked it up. I was like walking up the hill and then oh wait hang on I can this I can go this way I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of discovery uh, moments happening. Like the first time you realize you can go outside your neighborhood and you find the map and then when you realize different points on the map are interactive and you can actually go to the places and some of them aren't. Some of them are just highlights. Yep. Um I was convinced for the longest time I was going to be able to go into the church. Me too. I was also convinced you could go to the church and the bit with the car park at the bottom. Yep. yep. And then, like, when you actually, like, leave a section of the map to go to where the city is, that was really surprising. Because I didn't yeah. expect that at all. I was like, wait, there's more? Uh, like, there was a whole section of the game I didn't even see until the second day because I didn't, like, I ran, you run into a character at this, like, intersection who's yeah. talking about, like, he's a recent, like, I don't know what country, well, I guess he's in Scotland and I think he's Russian. Or Polish? I can't. I thought he was Polish. Okay, yeah, he's Polish, and he's talking about Poland and the differences between Scotland and Poland and English lessons and stuff. And like, I got so wrapped up in him that I forgot to walk past him up the path and like totally missed that section of the game until 
like pretty much uh, the second day I was playing. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Jackson, you have anything else? You've been kind of quiet. Yeah, I've got. I feel like you guys have been covering this fairly well. All right. Um. Uh. So, I mean, the ga- like we said, the game is small, so I feel like we're kind of wrapping it up. Does anyone have, like, broader thoughts or final thoughts about Beeswing before we call I really, really liked it. I, um, it, may, it, may, <laughs> it reminded me of how sad I was, I guess. Because <laughs> uh, uh, there's definitely uh, uh, the way the game ends, where it, everyone's like, n- no one's better, but everyone's just kind of okay with knowing that everyone's like this yeah um which is a place i'd love to get to in my own i feel like life trying to evoke that feeling is the actual point of the game like explicitly the intent of the author okay because I, I felt like i just couldn't i was not mentally ready to make a leap that the text made mm-hmm. because of my own just depression and everything because yeah. um, it's certainly weird to play a game that basically touches on all the things you are thinking about, but in this far more healthy way, I guess. Because mm-hmm. I don't think it's an unhealthy game at all. No, I don't actually either. Uh, I feel like there's a lot despite. of really great insights about being okay with aging, being okay with dying, that are hard I'm to not, get I'm, to I'm, on I'm, your own. I, I, I don't think I will, honestly. That's okay. Like. <laughs> You know, whatever, you know, whatever works for you. <laughs> yeah. Be afraid of that. It's uh, a valid fear. <laughs> Thank you. I believe someone said that we had to stop the sun. Look, someday <laughs> we're just going to blow it right the hell up. I'm okay with dying. I just don't want to do it like tomorrow or anything. Nope. No, I'm going to live forever. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's no, no point. Am I going to be like, nah, it's good. I just don't want to lose uh, but, myself. Like, the nursing home part was really depressing because there were a lot of people that just they were like, I don't know what happened to me. And that was yep. upsetting. Yeah, it was. Uh, but no, I, re- I really liked Beasting. Uh, I will probably check out more of Jacking Spooner's games. As, like, yeah. a portrait of a small town, it's really good. As an observation on these types of games where you're just kind of like this RPG protagonist wandering around interacting with people, it's really... Um, powerful about the things it says about that oh the uh, the the pigeon moment i that was one of the funniest things that upset the pigeon me moment was oh it's hilarious I, wait are you talking about the same thing yes because specifically pigeon? yeah but the dude who he's talking to is like deliberately this uh very specific i'm uh scottish guy caricature like, cause he's he's bald and he looks like I know I like I know that guy and the guy's reaction being like, oh, you're not doing that. Let me step like step on his head. Come on, what the fuck are you doing? It like evokes this. Like, but I think coming from uh, Britain basically and knowing that area a little better. Like, I'm not from Scotland, but I've been to uh, places near it and know people from Scotland that I like have more interactions with that culture. Mm-hmm. So there is a specificness to a lot of the way things are portrayed that is very funny but only if you're in it like that so was a you read it moment. like so he he like like it's there's this bird it, that's fallen out of the nest or whatever and it's like injured right it's like a baby yeah, bird. it's, well, it's still a tra- it's still a tragic moment for the main character but no it's, it i wanted i wanted to, i wanted way. to explicate it where like okay this guy comes up and he's like oh you can't like let it be there like ants eat it alive it'll be awful you, you, you have to put it out of its misery and so you step on the bird and kill it 
No, no, no. You you try to strangle it. Oh, right. He's like, just give it a <laughs> flick, right? Just, just yeah. He's like, because he know he's seen he's been a farm. He's like known a farmer or something, and he's seen how they do this, and it's just a small thing with the fingers, and it's very humane, and he can't do it. Yeah. And the guy's just like, "Fuck you, doing, mate? Step on his head." Just get us over with. And so you do it, and then he's like, oh, I don't think I could have done that, right? And then he leaves. That part was yep. funny, when he said, like, oh, I can't believe you did that, or whatever. So, you read it as, like, this <laughs> joke of juxtaposition, and yep. Destiny, you read it more as, like, a tragic moment, right? I was nauseous at the idea of stepping on a bird's head, and then when you go home, that triggers your mom telling you that Pipkin's dead. Like, yep. that's the um, direct thing that that's the that trigger. triggers. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that was a trigger, because I had those so separated from each other. Mm, yeah, no, um, that, that's, that's the direct literally trigger. what I, uh, connected. I actually read that moment as, like, about kind of the pragmatism of, like, rural areas, where it's like, yeah, sometimes you just have to kill animals. Like, what are you going to do? Let it live? Like, it's, it'll it's, be miserable. It makes sense. It's definitely that, like, but it's... On a pragmatic sense, it's, it's upsetting, though, like, to have to think about, like, uh, and then the description... Like I, I think it's all three of these things. Yeah, no, no, it is. But I like that we all had three very separate reactions. Because to me, it was about like these, like these characters ruminating on life and death makes sense if they live in an area that has like sheep farming and like like maybe there's like a slaughterhouse somewhere nearby or Mm -hmm. something where like cattle are sent. Like these are characters who like deal with death as a practical matter because that's a thing that's like more like prevalent in rural areas. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Uh, so yeah, like, I don't know. Like day I thought, death of yeah, nature. yeah. So I, I, for me, it added like a lot of like color to it. Like everyone knows one of their relatives is buried in that cemetery. Basically, yep. Everybody knows <laughs> yeah. a farmer that has to break some necks. Yep. So yeah. Sometimes farmers got to break necks. B swing. Get it on. Not <laughs> <laughs> you your grandpappy's uh, harvest uh, moon. Uh, uh. <laughs> All right, that's it. You speak now or forever hold your peace. Speak now or forever hold your bees swing. No. Wow. Wow. I think we should stop recording right now. We'll be back with segment four after these musical messages. segment four which is our question segment if you want to ask us questions you can send them to podcast abnormalmapping.com we only have one question because y'all actually we didn't put out the call because we're recording this one really early this is partially my fault uh you put out the call jackson you're doing the right work i put out the call it's also the, the, the weekend we're recording it it's not the best time to go hey send us questions about video games that is accurate uh but we have uh, one question jackson do you want to tell us the question uh question comes in from friend of the show dylan asks us what are some cool games made by artists who usually make art in different forms and if possible uh, avoid filmmakers and writers because those are common i mean because those are the ones i can think of at least you know filmmakers are all over the place but actual writers like novel writers unless- oh you mean orson scott cards um shadow complex don't actually work in games at all like orson Scott's card still doesn't count because he didn't actually write shadow complex oh right he just wrote a book kind of related to it yeah <laughs> He just cashed a check. Mm. 
like, as he is wont to like, be. Tom Clancy and Rainbow Six specifically are like the only thing I can think of, except for one, The Witcher. Like for fantasy, it's weird. Like, fa- like I'd almost count fantasy as like a weird edge case that like kind of proves the rule. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, you have a good answer, so go, 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 go. The actual answer is Shigesato Itoi who is a Japanese copywriter and essayist and he writes music and he's an actor. He's just basically an intellectual in Japan. And he in the eighties really loved dragon quest. And so he made a nostalgic little game <laughs> called mother. Oh, Hey, you son yeah. of a bitch. Job. You son a of a bitch. <laughs> Which is a good time to tell you that next month for December, we are playing the RPG classic Super Nintendo game Earthbound or Mother 2. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Those you set him up, Jackson. I knock him down. <laughs> Segway. How? How? Work of art. How? C'est magnifique. How <laughs> did that even happen? I'm, I'm, try- I'm actually trying to think of other ones. Earthbound is actually the greatest example of this. Earthbound has to be, right? Yeah, it's um, really up there. What what are other examples? Of- I like honestly, I can't like. I'm sure that they're like you said something about. Uh, there's like painters who work on this stuff, but uh, there is there is a game. I don't remember it. Uh, it never came out outside of Japan. It is a game from a Japanese painter that Dylan loves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dylan will tell you about it on Twitter. And there's like people who work in like music who then make games, but like someone who's like a really big name in their field then making a video game doesn't happen outside of Hollywood and comics. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There really hasn't been anything. Yep. At least not of that s- scale. Yeah. So thank you, Dylan, for the beautiful segue. Mm. And next month we are playing Earthbound. You can get it on emulators I'm of not choice. out of protest of that segue. It's it's good, Jackson. We had a good I'm, segue. Why are you objecting? I'm, yeah, it's a good great. segue and a good game, but... I think I have to stand on principle here. We are, uh, you can get it on emulators. It's available on the Wii U Virtual Console. But as we said earlier, I think that was in the podcast, wasn't it? Only about seven people have Wii U's. Yes. <laughs> and we know 10 five million of them. people. 10 million people, but th- that's only seven, really. <laughs> uh, and I'm looking forward to this. This is a game uh, we'll talk about mostly there, but this is a game I played as a kid before I knew what I was into. And. Like, I have vague memories of it, but I'm not, like, an Earthbound person. And so I'm excited to actually finish and, like, play through Earthbound finally for good. Nice. The Going back to the question, this isn't actually an answer for that, but it's, um, like, a similar thing. Uh, the uh, guy who made, who started by making a Katamari Damacy... Yeah, uh, Takahashi. Then going on to make Playgrounds yep. is one of my favorite transitions in all things ever. And then, like when you look at like Nobi Nobi Boy when he came back to making games, you're like, yeah, of course. Like he learned a lot, uh-huh. and it was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Keita Takahashi is a beautiful man who should. I hope everyone he is given the reverence he deserves, right? Yeah, people love him. Okay, good, good. I mean, we we almost forgot uh, Anthony Hawk Esquire. <laughs> <laughs> famous professional skateboarder turned video game designer <laughs> he does he gives feedback on the games to ensure they're realistic that's what he does yep. Kingdom <laughs> this one's gonna be better than ever please look forward coming soon tony hawk ride you know i on some level i think he might believe it <laughs> i don't think he believed it this year no 
but he just won't he he I bet that Tony Hawk desperately wants his games to be good. I want to go up to Tony Hawk. I want to interview him. I want to ask him one question. Like off the question. record, like ask Yeah, off the No, no, but the question is just when did you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just be real. When did you know? And so I wanted that's to tell actually me. my my question would be do you still actually do you still care? <laughs> It'll, I'll be sad if the answer was never because I hope he cared I, I, I would have been excited if I was video game man yeah I agree I would be excited too I bet he was more excited than say Tiger Woods when Tiger Woods was Tiger Woods <laughs> oh for sure <laughs> when he was That's Tiger not, Woods Tiger Woods didn't come out and talk about how good this year's video game was going to be a... no he was too busy having sex yep. Shell it's, of not a man. Like that, <laughs> it's not like that time they brought out Pele to talk about FIFA <laughs> whoa <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Sorry, I was a really forceful laugh. No, uh, because uh, little inside baseball, we were all on the Skype call, and Jackson very earnestly like hesitated to ask us, "Do either of you know who Pele is?" <laughs> the only soccer player I could name off the top of my head. Yep, same is here. Is it David Beckham? Ronaldo? No, <laughs> David Beckham. Yeah. Um, is David Beckham that- actually a soccer player? Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Yes. What did you uh, Isn't he isn't was, he married to a Spice Girl? Yes. Yes. I know him as like married to a Spice Girl. There's That's amazing. there's a movie that might be named after him. I haven't seen it. Bend it like You Beckham? have to bend it like him. That's a good movie. Yeah. And it is. Is it actually about him? Yeah. And it was well, it's about before he married some, to Spice Girl. Okay. It's about some uh women soccer players who have to who have the skill to bend it like Beckham and it's a, this, yeah. It's Kira a Knightley what, and this cute Indian yep. girl, and her parents don't want her really playing soccer, and then she plays soccer. What if it's about bending it like Victoria Beckham? That's her name, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's okay. Victoria Beckham's just secret lesbian story. Yep. That sounds way better. Oh, I'd be way yeah, into my that head game. canon. They were <laughs> totally movie. gay in that movie. Okay. <laughs> the final, the one other thing related to the pet before we go, it, which is, has nothing to do with video games, but has a lot to do with football, is that when I was talking to you about keepy uppies, that was a thing you didn't know what it was, and explained it was just when you kick footballs up and down and just try to see how long they can stay up in the air. You said that that is a signifier of just unnamed third world town. <laughs> yeah. <to you. laughs> Yeah. When to me it's just a thing that kids do. No, it's done. Like, <laughs> that's that's what the kid is doing when the American In... tank rolls by to ruin their village. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that no, I because I've seen that too, but because I I know that as a thing, I didn't realize it was just to Americans the signifier of oh what kids in just bad video do yep. Yep. in, in a film. African like, country or somewhere in South America. Yep. There's there's a kid <laughs> doing playing keepy uppies and then there's like an older person squatting on a doorstep who doesn't move but whose eyes track the tank as it goes by. <laughs> oh my god. You couldn't have said it better. Maybe someone across the way is playing cricket. No. Nope. That's too no. posh. No. Oh, no, no, because I know cricket mostly, like, cricket is super posh, but I know cricket actually a lot as the thing that in any kind of charity video about India, nope. some they're kids not are gonna, playing They're cricket. not going to put cricket in anything they're going to show over here, because everyone's going to be like, that looks like gay baseball. <laughs> <laughs> it's too fancy. They look so fancy. All right, thank you for listening to F- F- Normal Mapping episode You are not the host. Gay baseball. Jackson, where can people find you? <laughs> Um, uh, you can find me at headfuls off on Twitter, headfullsoff.com to find all my bullshit. Uh, and I'm also on trash Break ratio, uh, where we talk about movies and goof zone with destiny, where we talk about being sad. It's great. Goof dot zone. Actually, actually what we do is we make a bunch of jokes and we talk about how hard our lives can be sometimes. 
and how much we, we want mostly to be make better, bad jokes. and we try to give you advice on how to make your life better. I thought you were going to say, try to give you advice on how to make your life bad too. <laughs> <laughs> encourage yourself. De- Destiny, where can people find you? At FridgeBuzzNow, all one word, on the Twitter.coms, and uh, BadlandGirls.com, and Trashback Ratio, Books for Crooks, and uh, here, here with you, and GoofZone. And you can find me on Twitter at MBing, E-M underscore Bing. Uh, you can check out the YouTube channel. Jackson, you are still playing probably at this point Mario 3, but you're probably very close to the end. Uh, I've been, uh, at this point, I've been stuck in Pipe World for days. Yep. And uh, all the things I said earlier about me really enjoying playing this game despite not making much progress are no longer true. Oh. I will still be playing Fallout 3. We're in, or New Vegas, sorry. We're in Old World Blues probably, which is amazing. If you watch nothing else, watch the Old World Blues episodes. Learn about penis feet. You have to learn about penis feet. Oh my! With me, it's a beautiful nightmare. Uh, you can, of course, send emails as we said, podcast at normalmapping dot com. Come back next month for Earthbound Talk. It'll be great. See you around, everybody. Say goodbye. Goodbye. No, I won't do it. Jackson, I, I, I'm oh. not going to goodbye. Oh,